People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. going to date myself a little bit here but when i was a kid we would prank call people and pretend to be someone else so kid in school i would call you know another kid in the school and say hey this is tony and i would trick them into doing something or saying something usually it was to say something and it would be other, my other friends would be on the lines. You know, you have three-way calling and party lines were popular back then. So somebody would be listening on the line to the whole conversation and we would trick the other kid into doing something or saying something um, on the premise that we were somebody else. This was back when there were no cordless phones. We had to use 25-foot phone cords so that we could go to another room and talk. We didn't have cell phones, obviously. We didn't have smartphones. It was not really caller ID. It was just starting to come out, and you had to pay extra for that. Uh, all of these things were not there yet. But we were impersonating someone, pretending to be someone else, to trick them into doing something. And more often than not, it was just to get them to admit that they had a crush on Debbie from period six or something like that. It wasn't anything serious. It was just pretty harmless kid fun, kid pranks. We've come a long way since then. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Human Element Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about, um, I'll keep it sort of a broad umbrella of impersonation, so I'm going to go in a couple of different directions for that. And the first direction is going to be deep fakes, and we haven't really talked about deep fakes on this podcast yet, but today we will a little bit because there was an incident involving deep fake on um, Twitter, and so there was kind of a, you know, the last podcast we mentioned, multiple forms of phishing combined will have a, a higher success rate. Well, this also will have a higher success rate because multiple forms of, we'll call it authentication, were combined, or maybe not authentication, maybe verification would be the best way to put it. So this is on motherboard by vice tech by vice uh, so it's on their website and of course there'll be a link in the show notes this has probably been reported in many different places now and i'm sure you've heard about this scandal with ftx which is a cryptocurrency or maybe you haven't because you're not into crypto but 
so FTX is going through some troubles. And a video was posted on Twitter. You know, Twitter had, uh, I, I think it's disabled at the moment. I'm not really sure. I'm not really keeping up with it. But if, for a while, Twitter was offering to have your account verified for $8 a month. You get the blue check mark. So now it looks like you are a verified person on Twitter. And I don't know what the verification process was at that point, but I do know that there were a significant amount of accounts that were that had the blue check mark but were not who they claimed to be. So there were reports of, you know, sports stories that weren't true and um, deaths that weren't true and things like that. So this is just another example of that. So they paid the $8 a month to get their Twitter account verified. They got the blue check mark, so now it looks like it's a real account, like a verified account through Twitter. So uh, this account came appeared to be Sam Bankman-Fried, who was the founder, I think, of FTX, which is a cryptocurrency, uh, or was. I, I think it's now defunct or going to be defunct. Uh, I don't know the status of it, but I know there's a lot of celebrities involved with this and so there's a lot of things going on with it. But, so a fake Twitter account claiming to be Sam Bankman-Fried uh, and verified because they paid $8 a month had a video posted of Sam Bankman-Fried saying that he was going to um, compensate for losses because of the FTX well, in his words, going bankrupt. So a deep fake of FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried circulated on Twitter on Friday where the founder of the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange appeared to claim he could make users whole again by doubling their cryptocurrency in a typical giveaway scam. Making matters worse, the account was verified and mimicked SBFs, that's Sam Bankman-Fried, real account. And it said, hello everyone, this was a video. Hello everyone, as you know, our FTX exchange is going bankrupt. The deepfake of Bankman Fried said in the video, but I, ha I hasten to inform all users that you should not panic. As compensation for the loss, we have prepared a giveaway for you in which you can double your cryptocurrency. To do this, just go to the site ftxcompensation.com. I have not gone over that to that site, so I don't know what that site looks like right now. Um, at the time of the article, which was five days ago as of this recording, so November 21st, this will probably not get uploaded for a few days, but November 21st, um, the website was up. I don't know if it's been taken down, but it was up. And, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried's face was featured on the website and said, biggest giveaway crypto of $100 million. Send the desired number of coins to the special address below. There was a, 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 a I would assume, some type of crypto address. Um, and there were a, a scrolling, there was a scrolling list of people that have already claimed prizes. Obviously, that was fake. And this is a deep fake. And again, we have not talked about deep fakes, but essentially deep fakes are fake images and videos 
or voice recordings of people, usually celebrities or people that would um, would get some attention, and the attempt is to scam people or trick people into doing something or believing something. So it's not this isn't new. It's it's been around for a few years now, but it is getting um, better and better at doing what its intended purpose is to do and that is to pretend to be someone they're not uh, in a video or photo so video obviously being the hardest hardest to create however it's getting easier and we've seen this in the adult industry so people that you know there's lots of deep fakes in the adult industry where images are put over uh, somebody else's face to make it look like it's somebody it's not so the concern is obvious here. The concern now is, well, we can create these videos. We can do this for political figures. We could do this for very influential people around the world. And it's been a concern for a few years now. Uh, where I want to go with this, though, is impersonation attacks. Um, because I've had some clients, they weren't victimized because they check with me before doing anything or they're aware that it is a, an impersonation attempt. Um, but I have clients that have received impersonation emails claiming to be someone who would be an authority figure within their, their business or within their life and asking for something. So how does it work? And I, and I also, so it kind of s- s- slips into business email compromise in some scenarios and in other scenarios it doesn't. So we have uh, business email compromise, which is uh, someone compromising one or two email accounts and the end goal being to steal money. And often they succeed. They get one person to send the money to a different account, the one that not, so it's not a pain, it's not the account of the other person on the other end. So as an example, uh, this happens quite a bit with, with municipalities where somebody in the municipality will get a phone call or an email saying, hey, can you, we need to change how we receive payment and they'll give them a new account to send money to. So normally if I'm a contractor with a municipal, municipality, I would normally say, you know, pay me through this method, send the money to this account. And it's usually some kind of um wire transaction or something along those lines. So now you send that money, you normally send that money to my account. Somebody gets in the conversation via email, usually sometimes through phone call though, and says, Hey, can we, we need to update payment information. Can you send future payments to this account instead? And the person at the municipality doesn't really double check anything, accepts that as, as, um, as fact and, next payment gets sent to the wrong account. And sometimes it's a significant amount of money in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. This does happen. Happens a lot with real estate transactions as well. And I did have uh, a client experience that um, earlier this month, a real estate attorney whose client didn't listen to instructions and almost got tricked into sending a significant amount of money it was a $2 million transaction, a significant amount of money to scammers because 
she didn't listen to the real estate attorney's in- instructions and was told uh, not to send certain information via email. She did anyway, and that email conversation was hijacked, and a fake email, an impersonation email, was created to continue the conversation without the real estate attorney realizing it uh, initially. Uh, fortunately, the company that was handling the actual financial transaction was able to prevent the money from going to the wrong account. But it does happen quite a bit in real estate. And it does happen um, in other ways. So here's the what I'm really going for here. Tis the season. It's the holiday season. We, we're going to be bombarded with scams for the next couple of months. Um, and then it's going to carry over into the IRS season. And then we're going to see IRS scams all over the place. So another client of mine is was receiving. We've, we've mitigated it as much as possible because it's very difficult to mitigate. And I'll explain why in a moment. Was receiving impersonation emails. Fortunately, I've I've um, made them aware of this in the past, so they know to look out for these things. And the impersonation emails purported to be the owner of the business. And so the emails, one of them said, uh, I don't remember what one. One was, um, I think it was a link to schedule an appointment. But that doesn't, so the link, my guess is it wasn't clicked on. Uh, but I'm guessing that the link would would look like a Microsoft login page and then they would log in and their credentials would be stolen. We talked about that a little bit last week in the last podcast as well. The other email was, can you purchase Apple gift cards and uh, send them somewhere? I don't, I don't remember where they wanted those Apple gift cards to go. That's a big, 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 big red flag. Right there is a big red flag nobody's going to send emails asking you to purchase Apple gift cards um, within your business. Big red flag. Again, fortunately, the employees at this business smart enough to realize that what was going on, they forwarded me the emails so I could um, do what I needed to do to take care of it. And there were some mitigation steps we took. And one of the mitigation steps um, is to have a banner across the email to indicate that the email did not come from within the organization, or and you can and then you could also add domains to that approved list so that that banner does not appear. So, in, for example, my domain that I email from would be on the approved list, and the banner wouldn't show up when I email them. Otherwise, a banner comes up and says, "This is not from from a known email address," and I'm paraphrasing here, and and. Don't click on any links. Don't download any attachments and so forth. That's one mitigation step. Um, I've also seen the impersonation attacks at another client, and I think this is probably an angry customer of his, and the emails are forwarded to the business owner because he's, they're not going to him. They're going to other clients of his or other people that he knows where they claim to be him and make you know these erroneous statements. And sometimes they're a little bit... They make them... They, they make... They shed them... They make them look bad in some of these emails. And again, fortunately, 
those that have reported it to him, recognize that these, what they are, that they are not coming from him. They're coming from somebody pretending to be him. So one of the one of the ways that the attackers do this is they create a Gmail account or a free email account, Gmail, AOL, Yahoo, any of those accounts that are free, and and almost always randomized. So it's not even it won't even say the person's name. It won't say if it you know in this case let's say Scott Gumbar. It won't say it's Scott Gumbar at gmail.com or anything like that. Not even close. It'll be random letters numbers at gmail.com. And I'm not sure why that they do that, um, but they do do that. It's just very random. We don't always pay attention to the email address when we receive emails, uh, and I think everybody's guilty of that. We are bombarded with emails at this point. I know people that have taken all their communications away from email. They don't. They don't read their emails anymore. They take. You know, if you want to communicate with me, communicate with me at whatever other method there is, whether it's texting, whether it's on a social media platform, whatever it is. They don't do it on email anymore. And that's not to say those things can't happen in those other formats. They do happen, but not at the high level that they do with email. So it's always coming from a free email account. It's not coming from the domain that it should be coming from. And that's a big red flag. And that's the first indicator that somebody's trying to impersonate you. But it also makes it difficult to block, to prevent, because you block one email address, so I go and create another one. It's, I, there's very little to stop me from creating an email address on another platform. Even if Gmail does, and I think they do some type of limitation as to creating email accounts, there are other resources. There are other ways to create emails. AOL, Yahoo, not as strict. Um, there's other email services you could use that are will definitely allow you to create an email address. But it is always a free email account. Very rarely do the attackers pay to have an email account to do this. They almost always ask you to do something that seems a little bit abnormal. So purchase gift certificates or make claims that aren't real. I'm going to go so far as to say that impersonation attacks via email are almost deep fakes. If I purchase a domain, it's very similar to the real domain of the business. Um, it's going to be, it's not going to be hard to trick people. So if I purchased Microsoft.com, but instead of an I, it's a one, and I don't know if it's available. I don't know. You know, I'm hoping Microsoft is smart enough to have already purchased that. But I put a one or an L instead of an I, uh, or a zero instead of the O. It would be easier to trick people to thinking that it is Microsoft. And I've seen similar with lesser-known companies. So you know, they don't think about these things. They don't purchase those domains, or they you know maybe they can't afford it. Purchasing domains, if you purchase all the domains to protect your own that could get very expensive, you know, or you purchase a domain that's not .com or .net. You purchase a .ca or .it, uh, you know, different country code. Again, this happens. .us is sometimes available even when the other ones are not. .org, uh, and there's some other domain extensions, .pro, you know, whatever. You could purchase these domains and it'd be easier to trick people, but most attackers aren't going to spend the time to register a domain. You have to tell people who you are when you register a domain. So they're not really going to do this. 
if the goal is to really make an impression, you know, maybe they do it through a proxy. Now, the way to prevent that is number one, education. Number two, you you set up rules. You set up rules. The banner that I mentioned earlier. You set up other rules to. You could, if you don't want your employees to get email from outside the company, depending on the size of your company, that might be uh, a good decision. You could set up rules that only internal emails are allowed. You could block free domains. You could, you know, set up. Um, spam rules to make it a little more difficult to get through. There are a few ways you can mitigate the risk, but the most, I think the the best way, not not the most relevant, but the best way to do this is through education. And so that's the purpose of this podcast, but you should have a plan in your business where you, you, you teach everybody, and I mean from CEO and president all the way down, board members to the person sitting at the front desk in your office everybody needs to be trained on what to look for for phishing and impersonation emails if they know what to look for if they know how to identify if they know okay here's the banner because let's 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 be honest if you're getting dozens or hundreds of emails every day and you see this banner dozens or hundreds of times it's at some point you're going to ignore it psychologically you just block it out it's just nature human nature it's going to happen so if you're getting these these emails and the red banner comes up and and you get dozens maybe even hundreds of these throughout the day and i'm talking about one day because it will happen then you're probably at some point going to kind of block it out. It's kind of like, I don't know what they call it. There's a term for it where you drive home from work every day. You do this for years and now you drive home and you don't even remember driving home. You're like, how did I do that? I don't remember doing it. Um, and there are people that do this and it, it actually is um, a condition where they block out driving home. It's just becomes second nature and they just drive home. So you see this red banner, yellow banner, whatever color you choose with the verbiage, and it doesn't stick out anymore because you've seen it so many times. It's just not, you just block it out. You just ignore it. It's kind of like signature lines in emails. You just start to ignore them over time. Uh, you could tell your, your clients, and so we include this same same idea here, but in an email signature, we include this when we onboard clients. Um, just explain to them we would never do XYZ without some kind of verification process. So in other words, you get an email that says, send money to this account instead of this account. There should be some secondary form of verification. Okay, pick up the phone and call so-and-so at the office to confirm that this is accurate. Or uh, I've seen signature lines now that say we would never change wiring instructions via email and our email signature says we would never call you and ask you for a password or ask you to log into your computer while you're working um, proactively we would not call you to ask you to do that we don't need to do that so if somebody else is calling you to ask for your password or asking you to remote into your computer claiming to be us it's not us we don't do that and so that's in our email signature it's in our during our onboarding process we tell our clients that 
um, make people aware of these rules that you have in place to protect their interests. It's their interest. You know, it's my client. It's in my client's best interest to know that. Um, educate all your employees. Set up the rules in in whatever you're using Google. Hopefully, you're using either Microsoft or Google Workspace. One of those two for your emails, uh, because the other services do not have as many ways to mitigate these risks. Put another service on top of your email. So you have Microsoft, you know, even if you have one of the higher licenses, E3, E5, you have all these extra features for phishing. You could put another service on top of that to help mitigate it. And there are several out there that are very highly rated. Put another service on top of that. Do phishing simulation so that your people know what to look for. Um, it does help. Uh, and it's become sort of a it's gamification, so it's a way for them to learn through gaming, um, because it does become somewhat of a challenge. People look for these emails and say, "Oh, this is faked Apple gift cards. Come on, you can do better than that." Uh, and that's what happened here. They, they forwarded the emails to me right away and said, "This is what we got." And so then I take mitigation steps. Um, and, and by the way, those mitigation steps, including all the things I just said, there's going to be training, there's going to be the banners that cross the email, anything to help mitigate that risk. We block any emails we do see, we block. If it's not, you know, unfortunately, most of our clients do occasionally get emails from Gmail, Yahoo, and so forth. So we can't block out the domain. We can block out high-risk emails, uh, and Microsoft identifies those using patterns. These are all mitigation steps for a problem that that's going to continue to evolve, and that's impersonation, and it's going to happen through deep fakes. And we're not quite there yet where important political figures or high-powered individuals, influential individuals, are being deep faked in video yet, but we're not that far off easier either. So it's important to take everything with a grain of salt and consider the source, Look where it came from. Look to see if you see any indications that it's a deep fake within the video or the picture. More often than not, it'll be a picture at this point. Um, don't, you know, we all get these robocalls where they ask to verify who you are. Do not verify who you are. Don't even say anything. They want to record you saying yes or no. There's a lot of things that you can do as we head towards the really troublesome times of these deep fakes that are look really super authentic and it's going to happen. And it, you know, there's going to have to be a technology that is able to scan and find deep fakes and, you know, destroy them as they need to be done. Uh, but it's going to happen. But in the meantime, understand that there's some impersonation attacks are out there that there are ways to mitigate them, but the, the biggest, the most important step to mitigating that risk is to identify that it is a deep, that it is an impersonation email or an impersonation phone call or, you know, social media post and say, this is fake. You have to learn how to recognize them. So until the next episode, uh, stay safe, stay secure.